are you ready? Ready to transform your life and step into the person that you say you want to be. Ready to stop talking and start doing. I'm Ange, a health and fitness coach. And I'm Ashley, a Reiki master and energy healer. And we are here to help you do exactly that. And you're busy. We get that because we are too. But even with the challenges and chaos, you deserve and can live a life full of absolute joy, happiness, and purpose. We want you to join us in taking radical responsibility so that you can take everything in your life to that next level. Have the best sex of your life. Live in a body that you love. Let go of worry and stress. And live in total alignment. Your happier, healthier, and amazing life is waiting for you. Let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Transform Your Life podcast. I'm Ange and this is Ashley. Hey guys. And we have a very special guest with us today. We have Jessie joining us and she has written an incredible book. So Jessie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, ladies. Wonderful. All right. So Jesse's book is called Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing, Healing, Chilling and Living with the, how do you pronounce that? Tao Te Ching? So I say Tao Te Ching. Some people like the T sound say Tao Te Ching, but I think the official pronunciation is Tao Te Ching. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. So what inspired this book for you, Jesse? Great question. Thank you. Um, so it, a lifelong journey, actually, it's been. And um, the Tao Te Ching was something that I discovered on my spiritual journey, which has been like decades in the making. And it's actually a super old manuscript from 6th century BC. 6th century BC, China is where it's from. And it's second most translated in the world after the Bible. So I always mention that because I think it's interesting that while it is so widely known and translated, it hasn't really been a big used teaching in the West yet. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's actually super useful, specifically now in this crazy still pandemic time that we live in. Uh, for me personally, it was my own crisis that inspired us. So I came to America uh, as a refugee when I was eight years old from the Soviet Union. And you can imagine that that has its own hardships. The the whole even the whole coming here, we had to we were first refugees in in Europe waiting for asylum. And it was a long process. And my culture and especially back then was not one that focused on child psychology at all. And nobody really asked me how I'm doing, how, how I'm adjusting. So I kept that all inside. And uh, as a teenager, I developed an eating disorder. Uh, later, I, I was really suffering from depression, anxiety, panic attacks. And once I graduated college, I was very deeply unhappy and I got into a major car crash. And for me, it's that car crash that made me just yeah, I had no choice. I had to get still because my body needed to heal. I was still very broken emotionally, too. I was still dealing with the eating disorder. And I discovered the doubt aging. I was kind of ordering all the self-help books at the time. And this little pocket sized doubt aging uh, translation in English um, really spoke to me. And I started reading these simple verses. Maybe I'll read one for you later. It's they're really, really simple. But at the same time, 
they give you a lot to think about. And I started reflecting on my life and we went from there. And it's something that I've referred to back again many times as a mom. And more recently, as the pandemic started, it just helps me deal with the changes of the world and within myself. Incredible. And so when you talk about the the Tao Te Ching, it's interesting because you mentioned that it's not widely known here in the West, unless I feel unless you're on a spiritual path. So this is something that I have I have found and I have I know about. Um, but I know absolutely nothing you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sure these people listening that are like, there's this crazy book that I've never heard of and it's incredibly influential. So what is this? Right. <laughs> so for the listener who's out there who knows what we're talking about, um, just hang tight. And for those of you who don't know, who've never heard of this, um, it is the pronunciation that Jesse has used is it's correct. Um, but the way that it's spelled, if you're searching it, if you're looking for it, it's T-A-O space T-E space C-H-I-N-G. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that pronunciation, right, it is very um, it's not Western. Um, but I just wanted to kind of snippet that in there for anybody who is. That is amazing. And you're right, because we often forget that. <laughs> the, the, the stuff that's become so obviously I wrote a book on this. I worked on it for several years. So for me, it's like what I talk about every day and you forget that it's new information for some people, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. And so when you talk about some of those things that you um, experienced coming over the, the trials, the tribulations, just the psychology behind that um, and the, the anxiety, the stress and those crisis chaos moments. I think for a lot of listeners, there are some out there right now who are very much in that place. And I love the way that the universe, she just like, if we're not listening, she's going to slap you. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what that, that getting still that car accident where you literally could do nothing. She's going to make you process mm-hmm. all of the things that you're not processing and do you feel jesse like she was kind of nudging you in that direction and you weren't listening would you say that that's yes and i that's that's a quote by the way that i love this um it's from oprah winfrey i believe she was quoting someone but i say it all the time that the universe speaks in whispers and then it speaks in shouts so that was my shout yeah. and in fact in my book and don't just sit there do nothing I call what we're going through now society's car crash. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Totally. <laughs> I love that analogy. Yes. Because, you know, and I, I honestly feel, and listen, I have friends who've lost parents. This has been a super tough time. I don't belittle that at all. What a tough time it's been for a lot of people. And and for many people, just just stopping everything and being alone and being with your thoughts or in my case and for many people having to be home with your kids all the time and doing work it's a tough time it's not an easy time however there are lessons here that we need to learn and I almost feel like until we learn them I don't know if this is going to go away like there are things that we need to change in our society for sure absolutely what do you think those changes are So I always look, there's some big level changes that I would love to see. Um, I have uh, I have a a chapter in Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing called Lay Down Your Arms. And it talks it's based on a verse in the Tao Te Ching, which says weapons are the tools of evil. And it talks a lot about man's 
use of weapons. And of course, again, this was written in the sixth century BC. We were only, the weapons have only gotten more powerful since then. So there are lots of political opinions that do come up in the Tao. And I try to, I, I include them, but I also try to bring it back to the personal because it is very overwhelming. Uh, people have different opinions. The Tao also always urges us to accept other people's opinions, to not, not given to the polarity of this is good and this is bad. So what I always try to, I talk about these macro level things like how do we deal with all the weapons that are causing so much trouble in our world and in our country specifically. But I always bring it back to the personal because it can get very overwhelming. And then you feel you get stuck. You feel like you can't do anything really other than perhaps vote the way you believe in. But there are things that we can do on a personal level to change, you know, you know, you save yourself, you save the world in a way you free yourself, you free the world, you enlighten yourself, you spread light in the world. And so I always bring it back to the personal. What can you do within yourself and within your life and within the people you touch to spread more peace? And for me and, and what I've learned from spiritual teachings like the Tao, the answer is reconnection with self. That's why it's called don't just sit there, do nothing. It's a little joke, of course. But the truth is, when you are able to block out all the external messages that make you confused and make you feel like you're not enough or you're not doing enough or get make you confused as to what you should be doing, when you block out all those voices and you reconnect with yourself, with your inner voice, you create some stillness, some space, some journaling, some breathing, you reconnect with your own inner knowing things will start to fall into place little by little, you know, change your thoughts, change your life. She's literally like speaking our life. Oh, you're singing to my soul girl. And so the, the download that came in, just as we talked about the arms, right? Um, so we were talking about weapons, but the thing that showed up for me was um, lay down your arms. So think of your arms as an extension of your body because they are right. And if you lay your arms down, it makes you open, mm-hmm. right? What do we do with our arms when we're meditating? Mm-hmm. We open, right? Mm-hmm. And our arms extend out. They're actually an extension of your heart, mm-hmm. your hands, all the way down to your hands actually represent. Um, that's why people in healing or in helping professions, um, they're usually using their hands. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you say lay down your arms, I just go straight to heart and that like be still and go to your heart. Um, and I think that's I, I know when you talk about arms, we're talking about weapons, but my my brain goes straight to our actual arms and that's what shows up. And I think in that case, I'm really OK with being in an arms race where it's like <laughs> lay down your arms, open your soul and just be OK, distract or not distract Go inside so that you're not distracted by the outer noise like you just mentioned. I love I love that imagery. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, well, thank you for bringing it to my attention. It was, uh, yeah. well, well, but that goes back to empowering yourself. Like that goes back to, yes. I mean, because uh, I think a lot of us get so caught up with all the problems in the world and in government and in country and in whatever, you know, people, other people. And I find that to be quite disempowering because when you change yourself, when you change your thoughts and you raise your vibrations, your energy, that spreads. The effects of that are greater than you will even ever know. That spreads to your interactions with other people. And perhaps that changes their day, changes their outlook and so on and so forth. It is very, very powerful. So 
I think we should start where we, where our power lies within ourselves. Absolutely. And one of the things that I, with the clientele that I work with as an energy healer, one of the major things that is happening right now is people are tuned into that collective energy, which you talked about there is right. That going outside of the self. And when we disconnect from the collective energy, because the collective energy right now is very heavy um, and it's very much, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of uncertainty, right? And so when we disconnect from that collective energy and focus on our own energy, because we all do, everything has energy and what we put out there, if we can shift that energy into love, light, peace, and goodness, by what we emanate, that's, I think, where that power to change the collective energy, that's where it lies. It lies in yourself. It doesn't lie outside of you. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And the Tao De Ching says that a lot as well. And so, you know, what I do in my book is I took uh, my favorite verses and uh, 47 of them, and then I would look into what the verse is telling us. And I shared a story from my own life or an observation from the world that really shows that point strongly. And in that uh, chapter, uh, lay down your arms, that's where I take people back to, because it could be so overwhelming if we just focus externally. And you're right that right now, the collective energy, it's a mess, right? It's a mess. And um, that doesn't, that doesn't behoove us to always get, look, it's, it's good to stay informed. I'm not saying, you know, never read the paper. There's different, I know there's different opinions on that. And there's some spiritual teachers that are like, turn it all off. I think a good mix, because we are people in the world, a good mix is healthy. Don't stay on it. Scrolling nonstop. Um, but keep yourself informed and then take yourself back where your power lies within yourself and your interactions. And by the way, you know, so since I wrote a self-help book, it's also, that's also how you better your life because we start with our own happiness. If you're not taking care of yourself and if you're not creating happiness for yourself, you know, the power that you wield in the world is not going to be, it's not going to be at its best. It doesn't matter. A lot of people go out there before they go in here. When you can figure out a way to, create a joyful life for yourself and to really live in your light, to, to bring your best to the world, to yourself, to your family, to your relationships, then that's it. Then your, your energy is so much stronger than the chaotic energy of many people around you then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was going to say too, it, it sounds like in your book, you're pulling on your own personal stories and then connecting them to advice for those that are reading it. What would you say to somebody who maybe has went through similar things to you or other challenges, but they're looking at it from a place of a victim mentality or looking at that story and being like, this happened to me versus this happened to me. And what sort of advice would you give that person? That is a great question. And it is something we see all the time. Um, Unfortunately, even with loved ones, uh, I, I have two girls and I talked, you know, it is almost like human nature to be in the victim mentality sometimes. And I have to, I, I, people are born differently. Like I have one girl that is super strong and she snaps out and is very resilient quickly. And my other daughter being super sensitive, sometimes we'll wallow a little bit and that's okay too. I don't want to make anyone feel bad for where they are because by the way, I write in the book as well. 
it doesn't really matter if you self-actualize the Tao or which translates as the way God universe use whatever works for you, source energy that pulses love regardless, but know that you hold the power to change your life. And when you're ready, you will have to let go of the victim mentality, let, let go of this feeling of poor me, because from that place, Nothing powerful can really occur. You have to let go of that and you have to look for the lessons in your hardships. And they all have lessons. And listen, nobody's life is without hardships. We all go through them. And some of them are really terrible for some people. And it's okay to give yourself sympathy, but not to wallow in the victim mentality. And I say that, by the way, from a point, you know, I also, I have some funny stories in there. I was a real... Um, love addict is the, is the way, you know, I'm intrigued. The chapter, the chapter in the book is called humiliating love story. So every woman can put themselves in there. So, you know, at some you point just read that to me right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I share, Oh my God. I share all my humiliations in here because that's another thing I wanted to do is just like, let go of your shame. Like we've all screwed up. We've all been idiots. Like I just got sick of carrying it. And I, now it's, it kind of feels very free to have no secrets. I've also been writing for a while. I used to write personal essays and I started to put like a lot of, you know, a, a couple appeared like in the New York times and the Washington post. And I started putting my like real humiliations and things that I carried for a long time, just out there. And now I, it's so nice because there's nothing anyone can say about me that I haven't already said about myself. But um, that's freeing. You're absolutely right. Yes. And so but for the victim mentality, I do have a chapter. Look, I went I, I'm a survivor of date rape. Um, it took me a long time to to call it rape because it was one of those what used to be called gray area rapes. Right. And it took a long time. And I'm so anti being the victim mentality. But I did go through sexual assault. This was not the only one. And I talk about that in the book. And it's really difficult sometimes to admit things like, yes, I was a victim of sexual assault and at the same time not stay a victim. So I, I say I share that because you could have been a victim. We are sometimes victims of other people's crap and other people's things that are messed up with them and they bring to us. You could have been a victim and you still eventually can rise out of away from that victim mentality. What I'm hearing you say, Jesse, is that you still honor your truth but you're not going to sit in that place of this defines me, right? So you honor the truth of, yes, this happened. Like factually, this yep. is true. And I'm, yep. I'm willing to talk about that and share that, but I'm not willing to stay in that place energetically. And so it becomes, it becomes, again, it comes back to that weapon thing, but it becomes a tool in your toolkit versus um, a thing that's depleting you. Yes, you put it so beautifully. Exactly. You don't have to be energetically tied to anything that happened to you. Eventually, you you move beyond that. Uh, of course, in order to heal from anything, you have to you have to acknowledge it first. And so I didn't want to just, you know, as they call spiritual bypassing, right? Like this idea of just going like, I'm good and I have happy thoughts and whatnot. Listen, we have hardships. We got to work through the hardships. That's moving with the ebb and flow of life, too. But you just not to get stuck there is the main point. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How do you do this daily then, Jesse? How do you sit? I know we're talking about doing nothing, but there's always <laughs> some key actions for the person who's type A, who who's always oh, like, I'm, uh, by the way, I'm, sorry, I'm a recovering type A. So thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> or like perfectionism or like, I got all these goals and I'm going to do this yes. and this and yes. this. So like, what are you doing on the daily to ensure that you're doing nothing? And I I mean, you got kids, you're busy. So I'm sure that you're navigating that in an interesting way. Yes. And uh, by the way, like uh, the Taipei and the achievement based, listen, I come from the Soviet Union. And in case for people who don't know, the Soviet Union was a very achievement based culture. Like I was reading at four, not because I was a genius, but because that was the norm. So when I came to America, um, I started in third grade. I didn't know the language yet, but I got it pretty quickly because kids do like absorb languages. And but my math was like two grades beyond American students because listen, the the school was six days a week in Russia and the achievement based culture. It took me like a lifetime. I'm 40 now to relax from that. You know, I was a straight A student. I was summa cum laude, blah, blah, blah. And that did not because I didn't spend the time connecting with myself internally and figuring out what I actually wanted. All those accolades meant nothing when it came to my happiness. So I've gotten very good at doing nothing. And I actually take a lot of pride in being lazy. I, I, lazy. Lazy is a compliment to me. Like I am lazy. Yes, I'm a mom of two kids. So of course, anyway, everyone knows that takes work. I'm also a writer. I, I do stuff, but I'm also, I also spend a lot of time. Being, like sometimes I, I give myself what I need. I think this is permission that we're all seeking that we just got to give ourselves. Look, I put my kids on the bus at seven 40. If I'm tired, if I stayed up late, sometimes I write at night, I will get back into bed for half an hour. And I don't feel sorry, or I don't feel ashamed of that. I don't feel bad about that. Oh, sometimes it's an hour. <laughs> yeah, feel even better about that. Thank you. <laughs> yes, no, like I, I take care of myself, and that's not always. I, I'm not talking about pampering. Or I don't always have time to, you know, go go get my nails done or whatever. But I take care of myself, meaning my mental health first. If I feel like I need more rest, I will get more rest. I meditate, not always daily. Uh, I, I kind of, and I put this in, don't just sit there, do nothing. I'm all over the place with my toolkit because the all or nothing mentality didn't work for me. And I don't think it works for a lot of people. Um, this feeling like you've got to get up at dawn every day and meditate, which is awesome. I'm sure the people that do that are in such a good state, but it's not for everyone. So I say, for me, I meditate most days. If I don't meditate, I do some breath work because that's like five minutes, you know, sometimes seven minutes. It's just deep breathing or shamanic breathing. Um, but I also say for people, the simplest thing, like go for a little walk and look at the trees. It could be a 10 minute walk and just watch the trees sway in the breeze. Like five minutes of watching a tree does amazing things to your calmness level. And sometimes you got to just like pause from answering all those emails and take some deep breaths and a few deep breaths, actually scientifically proven the deep breaths calm your nervous system. So take some deep inhales, long exhales, a few of those, and you reset your energy. You're kind of back into a Zen state. So I do all of these things. I journal or I write Well, I write, but you know, I don't use all my writing professionally. Sometimes I just write. And, um, 
I don't hold on to resentment. So either I have to talk it out or if that's not a situation where I can't talk it out, then I write about it. Incredible tools that you're using. And so for somebody who hasn't, so somebody who's listening right now and is not a writer or has never journaled before, what would you say would be a beginning step for somebody who might be exploring that, but really just doesn't even know how or where to begin with that? That's a great question. And um, I don't know if you know the book, The Artist's Way uh, by Julie Cameron. she, she talked about something that I think anybody could do. It's called the morning pages. And now I don't always do it in the morning, but the morning pages are, is, is this idea that you give yourself a set amount of time. It could be five minutes to free write wow. and you don't judge what comes out. Uh, if you need a prompt real easy, <laughs> what in my life am I not happy about right now? And you just write, or what would, would I like to bring more of into, you know, what would I like to change in my life? Or what would I like to change in the world? What would I like to, it could be any observation. So you wake up, if you have the time first thing in the morning, great, just free write. And if you need a prompt, it could be like, what do I want to change? What do I want to create? What isn't working? What is working? You could pick a person in your life that you admire and write about their, those traits. Uh, you could pick a situation that you're stuck on and write about that. I mean, whatever, literally whatever comes into your mind, whatever it is that you're thinking a lot about, that's a great place to start. And just free writing, no script. Just no script. And taking a prompt if you need it. I love that. That's incredible. Because you know, what's great is it's not really about what you write. It's about taking what's kind of stuck inside of you and putting it outside of yourself. I love it. And I, one of the things that I love about journaling and I think is so powerful is we often we dialogue with other people. That's what we're doing right now, right? We're talking and we often listen to that inner chatter or it's become so um, repetitive that it's just rhetoric that we don't even really notice is there, but it's going on. But journaling actually allows us to create a dialogue with ourselves. Mm-hmm. that you wouldn't otherwise have unless you talk to yourself mm-hmm. and we don't have that same back and forth the way that we do when it's written down. So I think that's um, part of the power that lies in journaling that you can't get anywhere else. Such a good point. And, and then you realize that you would never talk to another person the way you talk to yourself sometimes. Right. And the things that you write down might even surprise you. Mm -hmm. right like oh my god I didn't even realize I'm unhappy about that thing Mm -hmm. wow I just wrote that I hate that though you'll surprise yourself with the things that do actually come out and it almost makes it a little bit real doesn't it where once you've written it down on the paper I don't know about you guys but like then I'm like okay that's actually how I feel what's the like step forward to move through that so Jesse you were talking about things you want to change in your life and um just wanting to take action. I feel like once it's down on paper, you're like, okay, maybe I should set some intentions surrounding that. Or if I want that to improve, perhaps I'm moving through, um, moving through what those action steps are going to be. Yeah. Because it comes, it becomes concrete. It's not just Mm -hmm. bouncing around in your brain anymore. It's articulated, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such a good point because we don't even know what we're thinking sometimes. That's a, that's a really good point. It's not like like when you're talking, you under, you you say things and you hear it and it's there. A lot of times the thoughts in our head are not even acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. 
Totally, totally. That monkey mind. <laughs> I'm Jesse, I'm curious, what are you manifesting in your life right now? What a good question. I am manifesting an entirely new career <laughs> now. Um, so I was I was a writer uh, for, for quite a bit before I started writing this book, but I was writing I, I was writing essays, but for the likes of The New York Times, L.A. Times, Washington Post, and um, I was limited I, I knew what I needed to do in order to get published in those places. I have full confidence in my writing ability, but I wasn't writing what my soul wanted to speak to. What don't just sit there, do nothing is it's a work of my soul. It's a work of the heart. Oh. And I'm manifesting a career where I can just keep doing that. I can keep talking and writing about the things that really matter to me, which is self-empowerment and spiritual journeys and helping people move to the next level where humanity needs to go. That's what I believe. Mm. I love that. Do you already have an idea then for your second book? I have a lot of ideas. um, And I promised myself because again, I am a a teacher of doing nothing. (laughs) So, So I'm trying not to do what I see a lot of writers do. It's like, Okay, got to move on to the second. Got to move on to the next. Got to, you know, like I am not a machine and I have no desire to be a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, I want this process first and foremost to be enjoyable for me, because if I'm just becoming yet another, yet another part of the, you know, the economy that just keeps churning, that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I have ideas. I write, um, but I have not solidified it to anything, and I don't think I will until this book is down until I see what people need, what questions they come back with. You know, I have some scheduled events. I really want to connect to the people who find my book useful. And I think people will, especially because of where we are right now um, as a society. And I want to see what else is needed because my curiosity for spiritual teachings runs really deep. Like I'm reading a book about the Kabbalah and I read, you know, I just, I, I, there are many things I can do. I'm waiting to see what's needed for me. Right. Waiting till that download comes in and you just go. I love that. Yes. I want to be useful. I, I'm, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I don't want to push. I don't want to force things. I want to see what's needed and I can do that. That I know. Incredible. And so, Jesse, I do have a question for you, and I know it's a little bit um, maybe off base of not off base of what we're talking about. um, But I know that with the pandemic and everything that's been going on, there have been, like we said, people at home, they're with their kids, they're with their partners, and maybe almost a little bit forced into looking at their life, who are um, forced to kind of embrace what is really happening versus being able to distract outward with so many activities and going to work, right? And all of those kinds of things. And I, one of the things that I wonder is that I'm seeing a lot of people having to embrace or look at or let go of is their relationships, right? Because when you think of, even if you just go to the, like the stereotypical male, female, one, both people leave the house, they get their kids off to where they need to go. And both parents go to work, they come home, there's hockey practice, there's dance, there's karate, there's all those things. And then, you know, you scarf down some food, you return home, maybe the kids have a bath, 
they go to sleep and you repeat, right? The next day, the next day, the next day. And with the- you've been watching my life. Right. But that's almost like what yes, we've yes. as the rat race. And one of the things I know we're forced to like hang out with our kids more and that can create tension for a lot of people, but they're your kids. You're probably not doing anything except like ah, drinking more wine or meditating more, or just like going through that crazy but when it comes to our partners, we are, we might be more annoyed with them. We might discover we don't actually like them or mm-hmm. holy crap, we need to like work on this. And so with your book, is that something that um, you cover? Is that something that, um, because I think a lot of our listeners are spending more time, whether it's desired or undesired with their partners. So, yes, I do talk about relationships in my in Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing, because uh, because the Tao talks about relationships and I find it so helpful. But I have to say that what you're talking about is happening all around me as well. Uh, so I assume and, uh, you know, I have neighbors divorcing. I have friends on the verge. Um, my brother just called off his engagement like this is, you know, and I could talk about it because he's he's in the healing stage at this point. But, um, you know, like they were like in a small apartment in, in the city. Like, yes, all of this has come up for people. And there I think we have, we don't yet have the statistics on divorce um, from 2021 obviously, because we're in it still, but uh, I'm very curious to see. I'm sure those have shot up since since the pandemic. So I don't talk specifically about, hey, don't get divorced or do get divorced during the pandemic. But there is a really great relationship advice that comes from the Dow. And I can speak from my own successful relationship. I know it's like people try. It's almost like jinxing yourself. (laughs) to talk about, um, oh, my marriage is so good, but it is really good only because I had a lot of crappy relationships and I did a lot of things wrong and, um, or not wrong, but a lot of things that didn't work out, let's say, and I've learned from them. And the Tao teaches us this greatest relationship uh, advice that I've ever gotten. It's about giving freedom, like complete freedom to all of the relationships in your life. I find it really helpful in parenting because there is a lot of control issues between kids and parents and this reminder that they're their own people. And it is doubly useful in a love relationship. It's this idea of giving complete freedom to the other person by giving first and foremost freedom to yourself. When you free yourself, you can free another. So you, that means that you're, you have to take care of your state of being, your happiness, contentment, completely on your own. You don't put any of that on the other person. So you first and foremost, take care of your own mental state and your own happiness. From that place, you give the other person the same freedom which means you keep expectations low when it comes to your partner and you encourage them to expect little from you. Now, <laughs> and I'm oh, you're doing nothing and I hope right. you do that. Right. I'm going to do nothing and you're welcome. Look, of course, in order to make a family work, we both need to do stuff, right? Do something. <laughs> right. You know, like, look, but I, I find that it naturally, so by appreciating the things that my husband does do, that's all he needs. Like people just need acknowledgement. I also happen to, 
have known, I knew myself, I met, a, I met my husband at 30. I knew myself before I got married. That helps, I think. But again, I, I, I got to know myself because of all the mishaps beforehand and the crappy choices relationship wise beforehand. But, um, I happen to, I happen to be with a good, um, partner for me, like that balances me out. Cause he's a doer. <laughs> <laughs> you do something, I'll do nothing, and it'll, uh, it'll all work out. That's perfect. But I do find so, of course, there's some stuff uh, that needs to be negotiated, like who does what. So, look, I love to cook, and I cook well, and that's what I do. I I do a lot of the ki- a lot of the stuff with the kids, and he does other stuff. So, there has to be negotiation between who does what. But the tit for tat thing does not work, and that I I talk from my personal experience and based on what the Dow says. Once you get into that tit for tat territory, we're like, I'm doing this. And you, especially when we're together a lot now, like everyone works from home, we're all in the same space. You see a little more of that. And you're like, I did this and this today. What did you do? Mm-hmm. And that's not going to work. So what I'm talking about freedom is you have to let the other person. And ultimately that's not always going to lead to a saved relationship. Sometimes that can lead to the end of a relationship, but you're not doing any favors to the relationship or to yourself by keeping chains on the person, by trying to force them to be a certain way, by trying to force certain behaviors. You have to let people be who they are and see if that works. And if it doesn't, it wasn't going to anyway. And you were just going to force things and make them harder for a longer period of time. So I really encourage freedom, freedom for yourself, freedom for the other person, and then see if that's working. And if it's not, that's okay too. Absolutely. And I think that's what people are being faced with right now is they can't distract away from the crappy relationship they're in. And so they have to look at it, right? Because you're forced into that space and you can't, you can't get out of it. You can't get away from it. And so it, it's showing up in a way that you can't avoid maybe anymore. I agree completely. I don't think that people are less happy now than they were before. They just, they just can't run away from their own happiness. They just have to look at it for the first yeah. time, maybe in years. Right. And so. And nobody, yes. And relationships are, are not that simple. Uh, so I also feel that we need to remove this idea of failure when a relationship ends. Yes. Because everything is learning. Everything is just the ebbs and flows of life. So again, like you stop forcing anything, you start taking care of your, when you can have your happiness, not dependent on another person, you're free. Yes. And that means if they come back, come in with their bad mood or their stuff, and you still can remain happy. You're so free. You're so strong at that point that even if it doesn't work out, you'll be okay. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that has actually shown up with some of my clients recently is your joy is not outside of you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, it's inside of you. And the, the moment you give it away and it connects to somebody else's behavior, they have all your power, right? It's that joy, that peace, all of that goodness it's not somebody else to provide for you. It's something that happens on the inside and their behavior doesn't get to dictate that joy or that happiness or that self-love, right? And I That's think- right. They'll either rise to your level, to your vibration, or they won't. Absolutely. And even if they don't, it's not your responsibility to change that. Yeah. And it's okay. Right. Like, and that's the thing that it's, it's okay. And it's again, like you said, Jesse, that removal of that failure piece that, you know, this might actually be the best thing. 
That's right. And I think, and the same, you know, the same with jobs. I think people are seeing that differently. Remember how losing a job used to be a huge downfall. I think that has changed as well for people. I think it's the embrace embracing of change. Yes, absolutely. Now, Jesse, if you had to take your book and tell our audience three key takeaways, what would you tell them? Ooh, good question. Putting me in the spot, but a good spot. <laughs> um, okay. So I think it's important to know that the Tao Te Ching, which has been discussed by many people, mostly men, uh, philosophized, analyzed, whatnot. This is the first time that a woman that happens to be me, um, has taken this book, this, the, these teachings, these ancient philosophical teachings and applied them to modern life. Now, this book is not just for women. I talk about experiences. I don't think we're so defined just by female male, but it was a really good book for women because these are ancient teachings that have mostly been used uh, and analyzed and talked about by men in the past, but they carry a lot of wisdom for us. And I'm really proud to be, you know, the first woman to actually have done this. And it happens to be released on March 1st, which is uh, the first day of national of um, women's history month. So that that's one aspect of the book. The second aspect is I, again, like I talk about, my experiences in the book, but as I said in the introduction, it's easiest to look at the lens of these teachings of what the Tao of the Tao's teaching is through the lens. I mean, through the lens of my life, because I know my life so well, my hope is, and I believe what this book will do is make you look at your own life differently. You'll, you'll also realize like I have a specific story, the refugee story, uh, you know, the eating disorders, whatever. But even if like some really hardcore businessman CEO took my book, you would find a lot of similarities because human experience is more similar than it is different. So even though I use my stories and I try to really be entertaining with my stories, I, I was an actress. I was in Hollywood for a while. There's some entertaining stories in there too. Uh, the whole idea is for you to, change the perception of your own life. And then the third thing I want to say is this book is divided into three sections, which I had, I meant to mention, I forgot to mention before, and it's identity awareness creation. So you're taken through this process of identity of getting to know who you really are uh, beyond, beyond the labels and the limitations. Awareness is starting to understand the movement and flow of energy around us and and everything that that moves within and without and, and outside of ourselves starting to understand and see things a little bit differently that little shift in perception and the final section is creation and that's where you, that's the fun part that's where you really get to create i call it manifestation you get to really create it's cute. I love what, it. What, yeah, it's a funny little yeah, manifestation. It, it is cute. I, I say it's like my spiritual geeks version <laughs> of manifestation, but you get to really create your life with more ease. So it's really about creating more ease in your life. It's not about adding yet more things to do. Amazing. And so when you talk about your book, First thing I think is I need this freaking book in my totally, life totally. right now, like right now. How do people purchase this book, Jesse? Um, 
That's a lovely question. And by the way, I'm going to record it soon for the audiobook. I'm really excited about that because as a busy mom, uh, sometimes I do cheat and do audiobooks and I think they're just as great. And this one I think would be a great audio experience as well because you could be left through, you know, I have a few, I have exercises at the end of each chapter. Some of them are just as really simple ones, like, like a different way of thinking, like simple yet complex, but some of them would be nice to like close your eyes and listen to. So if you're not, you know, if you don't have the time to like sit down and read, you can listen to it and it's all available everywhere. Books are sold. So Amazon bookshop, and you can find all the different uh, pre-order and ordering opportunities um, on jessiecanzer.com. J E S S I E K A N Z E R.com. Amazing. Amazing. Well, we are totally getting it. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. And she'll probably do the audio and I'll do the, the hard copy just like based on based on yeah, totally, yeah, totally audio, but uh, oh, oh, it's amazing. We love it. We love it. And so Jesse, one thing that I wanted to just pick your brain a little bit about, um, one of the things you mentioned was that this, the, the Dow is something that only men have dissected before and so my connection to it is actually um one author i forget his name but he wrote the untethered soul and his reference to the Tao is it's almost like a pendulum swinging right we often bounce back and forth in our lives of like i'm doing it all i'm you know i'm gonna if i start exercising i'm on the train and then all of a sudden we swing off and that pendulum it swings to the far left and then it swings to the far right and the Tao is really about not swinging no resistance absolute just total that stillness when that pendulum stops swinging there's a place in between where there's absolute stillness total acceptance and we're not reaching for things we're not resisting things we simply are and so I know that that's that's my like connection to um, the Tao and an understanding to that. What's your response? Would you say that that's accurate or? That's actually lovely. And the, the author is Michael Singer, I believe. Yes. Of, um, yes. book. Yeah. And then the, what a wonderful book. And um, uh, there is one woman, by the way, who did uh, a translation of the Tao Te Ching. Her name is Ursula Le Guin. So some people may know her. But the analysis, like you said, like so there was Michael Singer, Wayne Dyer did Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. Um, yeah, not a lot of women have delved <laughs> or not until me that I know of. Um, delved into the analysis. I think that's a great way of putting it. Um, the acceptance of everything as is. One of my favorite lines from the Tao is do your work, then step back. The only path to serenity. It's this reminder. It's like, so that's why I, I joke that don't just sit there, do nothing is, you know, play on words. Of course we do things. Life, there is action in life, but it's this idea of doing, then stepping back not consistently pushing that boulder up a hill. It's not fun. It's hard. And then you don't even get to enjoy anything, any of the accolades that you may, you know, accomplish because you're always striving. So it's that middle point that, that the way that Michael Singer described it, as you mentioned, it's that middle point of existence. Now I find that the pendulum still swings for me because we're human, right? So we're not, I at least am not, um, you know, a guru and most people are not. And so what's really great about finding that middle point of stillness 
is you can return to it over and over again. You don't blame yourself. You don't judge yourself when you're out of alignment. You, you remind yourself that you're human. But once you know it, once you've discovered this stillness, this uh, space where you're okay, no matter what, you can return to it over and over and over again. And it gets better with practice, right? You return there more quickly. That's right. You do it more frequently, right? And I think that's, that's exactly it. You can, you can get back there. And, and sometimes I, you know, you also have this, you develop awareness and awareness is, is I think like a superpower. You develop this um, observer within yourself where you're able to watch yourself, watch your thoughts and reactions and understand where you are. There are days when I'm like, yeah, I'm blue today. I'm no fun today. I'm not going to, nothing great is going to come of what I do today. So I'm not going to, I'm going to let myself just sit and wallow for a day. And then tomorrow I will wake up and I'll be a new person. And you do that because you allow yourself your humanity. But when you have that awareness, because, you, and you know, like when you meditate, you're able to glimpse it. When you glimpse that, that understanding of your own limitations as a human, you don't judge them. You let them be. And then you move on. Right. Amazing. Amazing. And the very first point when Ange asked you what, um, what you would take, what are the three take home points? The first thing you said is that this book is, you know, it's geared for everybody, but women, especially. And I think how powerful, because as women, we are the ones who don't sit and do nothing. Mm -hmm. We are the doers of, right. And there's so much, there's so much guilt if we're not being productive or efficient or multitasking or running everybody everywhere all the time. And I think, guilt, my God, the guilt, the mom guilt that I see around. Like, oh my God. Like I, that's why I tell people, no, I'm getting back into bed after this bus takes off. I'm sorry. I need it. Like, I'm not, I'm not boasting Not everyone needs it. Some people go to sleep much earlier than me. I just happen to be like uh, creative juices flow at night sometimes, but like, why do I need to feel guilty about taking care of my well being? And a lot of moms do. And it's almost like taught, taught outside of ourselves. It's not an internal uh, truth. It's, it's external messaging. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. I always say like you do you and I'm going to do me over here. And like, we just, I just exist in that world versus like everybody having to be operating as like the same type of mom. Right. Exactly. And I think there's so much power in that, right. Mm -hmm. Of just like your, you know, what's best for you. You are the expert on you. Mm -hmm. Nobody else, no external person is the expert on you. Mm -hmm. And, and so you know what's best for kids, by the way, the best thing you could do for your kid is to be a happier version of yourself, to be a more fulfilled version of yourself, whatever that takes. That's the best thing you could do for your kid. Absolutely. I think one of the other things with that, that you've kind of touched on is showing your kids that it's okay to not be running around like a chicken with their head cut off all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's been people who've said to me like, Oh, that'll be so good for Coralie to see like my daughter. And I'm like, yes, but it's more important. I think that my boys see it, mm -hmm. that they see that women take breaks, that they see that women don't like, they aren't superheroes because someday they're going to end up in relationships. And maybe, maybe it's not with a woman, but they realize that their partner is not meant to be 
that super mom, Mm -hmm. right? What if they end up married, having kids, and she's going through postpartum depression Mm -hmm. that they can recognize and go, whoo, this girl needs a break. I'm going to take the baby for a walk. You go have a nap. And because they have a background knowledge of the fact that my mom took breaks, Mm -hmm. women take breaks, right? I just got, I just got goosebumps. I think I got goosebumps because I I have two girls and I always think like, Oh, I'm, you know, like I have to raise two girls and there's obviously important things you need to consider when doing that. But it is so important. The, The way if mothers raise boys, the way you're talking about raising boys, what a different world it'll be can't wait for it but I agree right yes and I just think like I want to raise my boys to have that compassion not because I think in the world that we live in and maybe it's my parents generation but like moms don't cry in front of their kids and moms cook all the meals and they stay up late and they do the laundry and they run the kids to school and hockey and you know dad takes dad gets to relax and dad's the fun one and mom does all the fun things. one oh, it's easy to be the fun one right when you oh have my the- gosh disney <laughs> dad woohoo <laughs> mom like makes things happen right and i think us falling apart in front of our boys mm-hmm. g- gives them that that peace that they go oh like the woman i end up with i'm gonna give her breaks i'm gonna make sure that she takes care of herself and there's no guilt to that right like to be able what to a good point. What a good point. Yes, I think right. And you know, I, I have um a chapter in the book about we are all one. We are we are not really only female and only male, but the world in which we live has created certain roles that women have versus men. And I think the more we're able to kind of embrace both sides within ourselves there's we we all have male and female forces it's it's that much more healthy the the more a man is able to start being more mom-like with his kids the better that is for everyone yes i agree completely that masculine and feminine side we operate best when we're in balance with both of those yeah, I'm, I'm working towards that, too, in my household. Um, it's funny sometimes, you know, look, we've all been we're products of our societies and, and we almost operate automatically. And before you know it, you're like, yes, I'm making all the lunches and I'm, you know, and they ask for mom when they need things and when they want to know where something is. And and it, all of a sudden you turn around, and you're like, huh, there are roles and we've fallen into them. <laughs> For sure. And I, but I do think there is certain strengths, right? Like that there are differences. And like you said, so you love cooking. It makes sense that you cook, right? It does. If you hated cooking and you cooked all the meals, that's where it becomes an issue. You're absolutely right. And actually, you know, I know I have neighbors who the men cook in their family. So it is, it is becoming because they love cooking and they're really good at it. And so you're, you're right. It's more about figuring out, what it is that you're really good at where you shine. I'm also, you know, I'm also much more emotionally intelligent than my husband. I think I could say that he would agree. <laughs> <laughs> so when they have problems, yeah, they come, you know, I, I can usually help faster. Right. And those, those differences are our strengths. Right. And I think it's more, it's more the divvying up of the things that you hate doing. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you Who needs this less. <laughs> when it comes to laundry, I'm happy to do the laundry. But when it comes to going to the dump, I literally won't. I just won't. like I won't. That's yeah. a that's a cam job. And so there's right, it's about that balance. Totally. And those differences. Or rock, paper, scissoring if you're like people <laughs> really hate this yeah. thing, but And you know what? You're right. That's a good point. And sometimes they do start, they do seem very like male, female, but Hey, if that's where our proclivities lie, that's okay too. Totally. Totally. Well, we just want to thank you, Jesse, for taking the time to share your book with us and have this conversation today. We'll be sure to put everything in the show notes for those that are listening that can't wait to get a copy. Is there anything that you'd like to end today's call with? I would love to remind folks, no matter where you are in life, it's okay. If there's one message I want this book to carry to people, it's okayness. Everything's okay. You can accept where you are, no matter where that is, and move from there one teeny step at a time. Amazing. Amazing. So much wisdom. Yes. Oh, you're just, my heart is overflowing. Just (laughs) listening to you. The conversation has been so rich and so deep. So yes. Well, I've had a great time too. It's been wonderful. We're on the same wavelength. hundred percent. Yes. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, all the best, Jesse. Thanks for today. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.